game is so beautiful, you know. Come play. The page dynasty is the newest rage. Maybe you've played, maybe you've made a trade. Played list, and now these fish are all up on ya. I mean, you won three ships, they wish they had your. So, this is it. You wanna learn the game. 101 pick when it hits, you feel no pain. Praying for the fantasy championship. Hit the books, kid. Read this pamphlet called the Owner's Manual. It's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic owner's manual. It, it, it's automatic D- dynasty. It, it's automatic. <laughs> and here are your authors: Chris Allen and a- a- Adam Wildy. All right, everybody, and welcome back. This is episode uh, Adam. What what episode are we at? Is this twenty? This is like the, the big two o. Big two o. All right. So episode twenty of the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. I'm your host Chris Allen, and we have with us Ben Cummins here tonight from the Fantasy Footballers here, both DFS expert and Dynasty expert as well. So we've got a couple of realms kind of you know coming together here, so we can have yet another great conversation for you this evening. So Ben, how are you doing this evening, man? I'm doing great, guys. The season is almost here, but you know, watching these preseason games and. You know, watching how players are looking and looking at usage and all that stuff and just pumped to talk to uh, some really knowledgeable guys here. Love talking, uh, you know, about my passion with other people that know what they're talking about. So thanks for having me on tonight. Oh, 100 percent. And I know that it, especially you doing most of your uh, DFS work, I know that's something that we want to get into this evening. But then also because this is a dynasty show, we kind of wanted to see what some of the parallels between those are, if any, so that we can see if we can help. Both of our, you know, anybody that has both interests at heart. I mean, especially myself, because I'm looking forward to getting into some DFS, uh, more DFS work like this upcoming season. So I'm very much looking, looking forward to picking your brain here this evening and talking a little bit more about that. But before we get into it, of course, I have to introduce uh, my my partner in crime, Adam. How you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. So last year when I decided to give DraftKings and FanDuel all my money, the Fantasy Footballers <laughs> DFS podcast was the first podcast that I got into, and then it became a, a weekly show. So uh, I decided to do a charity last year, kind of in, uh, in Scott Fish's foot, footprints, and so got in touch with Ben, and we did a little took $20 and tried to see how much money we could make for charity. So That's I knew right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. man. We yep. had success, I, I think. I we think we did. We made like 160 for charity. Yep. Wow. So yeah, I, I knew it. as soon as we were going to do a DFS show, we had to get in touch with you, Ben. So I'm really excited to hear from you, man. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I had forgotten about that for a second, but that was really cool. You hit me up. I think it was Thanksgiving and we yep, just threw a was. cash lineup in and, uh, was cool to see we have some success for the charity. So yeah, Absolutely. man, it's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know anything about that. I'll have to take a look at that and see, uh, you know, kind of figure out. Well, hopefully that's something we can get into this evening and talk about a bit more. So let's just go ahead and hop right into it. So Ben, I mean, we got you on here because we know about your work within the DFS community and some of your analysis and whatnot. But again, as I mentioned, I mean, this is the Dynasty Owners Manual podcast. So I, I have to ask, I mean, if you dabble in both uh, DFS and Dynasty, do you can you tell us about any parallels or any connections that you might find between the two, whether it be from Dynasty to DFS or DFS to Dynasty? Are there aspects of the two that you feel are applicable to both formats? Yeah, I do. I think every single fantasy football format is going to correlate to a certain extent. And I think one of those aspects is that price is so important. And, you know, there's different levels. In DFS, it's you're deciding whether you think a guy makes sense to play at his price that week. Is he is he too expensive? Is he an insane value? So you can't pass up on that. And it's similar in the off season mostly in D- in dynasty right you're you're trying to value players and figuring out who you like a little bit more than the crowd and a little bit more than your league mates or you see a league mate shopping a guy that you really like and so you you know you want to target him and you know tr- you know your first trade is usually going to be somewhat of a low ball cuz you're playing the game here uh, you're not trying to just you know trade for fair value or give up too much so Price matters and there's different ways to look at that. And then ultimately, as we'll get into it, you know, once the season starts, even dynasty really becomes 
DFS to a certain extent, as does redraft, because it's a game on a week to week basis where you're making decisions weekly to try to, you know, put your best optimal lineup out there and beat the opponent that you're going against. And to a certain extent, that is a dynasty mindset, a DFS mindset. And, you know, dynasty leagues, you have so many players and there's really nothing available on the waiver wire that you're kind of streaming within your own team. And so I know I like to try to build depth on my roster so that I can kind of utilize that mindset and play matchups and, you know, oh, this guy was a 18th round pick in redraft. But, you know, once the season starts, that really all goes out the window and you're really just playing matchups. You're really kind of looking at, you know, who's hurt because DFS is really all about figuring out opportunity and maybe a guy that you're looking at as the wide receiver four or something that is completely off the radar. Well, if it's week four and the top two wide receivers are hurt and all of a sudden he projects to start, things change. So I really want to build depth so that I can utilize that streaming approach kind of within my own roster. And to a certain extent, that is also a DFS thought process. That absolutely makes sense. And now that you mention it, I can I can really see how a lot of dynasty like folks within the dynasty community can find an edge by listening to folks like yourself and anybody else that's really heavy into DFS. Because like you just mentioned, once you get into the rigmarole that is the fantasy season, as grinding as it may be, you're looking for that weekly edge. And what is DFS? It is the weekly portion. I mean, it, it focuses in on those matchups that are happening on a week-to-week basis. So that absolutely makes sense that once the first game kicks off, I mean, we're, we are in DFS mode. We are looking for those specific matchups and whether it be uh, about injuries, whether it be about offensive line play, whether it be about whatever the case right. may be, all that right. stuff comes into play. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's not that, like, everybody knows you know, in this industry and playing fantasy football, like everybody is knowledgeable. But the thing about DFS is, especially if you're trying to be profitable whatsoever in tournaments, and you just have to have that edge over the entire field, if you want to make playing in a tournament worth it, like you have to pay attention to everything. And I'm almost kind of envious to a certain extent of the casual player or the dynasty player that you don't need to know every single offensive line injury and every single defensive injury. But if you want to have that edge in DFS and I'm obsessed with trying to get that and, you know, I'm trying to bring that to those that have the, the fantasy footballers DFS pass, you have to pay attention to everything. And so that kind of just puts, Oh, I'm going to stream, Taewon Taylor's just on my mind right now, so I'm just he's gonna, on everybody's mind. Right, exactly. mind. <laughs> more than this one time, but like, okay, he wasn't going to have a great matchup, but now all of a sudden the starting cornerback that was going to play against him is out. Rashard Matthews going to get a slow start to the season, so this is a guy that I want to play not only as a cheap option in DFS, but he, you know, a month ago was looking as just like a wait and see in dynasty, and all of a sudden now I might play him over uh, Pierre Garcon or somebody. I don't know, but that's where. You know, you look at every situation with injuries and everything because you kind of have to in DFS. And so, yeah, that's kind of what we're talking about on the, on the podcast weekly. And I try to use my understanding because I'm just obsessed and it's who I am to kind of make those weekly decisions, even in Dynasty Leagues. Absolutely. And so so getting into it, so let's say let's start from the beginning and say that all right, so I'm trying to build a DFS lineup or put together some sort of some sort of roster, whether it be for head to head or GPPs or things of that nature, but are there specific positions that you plan to invest in more more so than any of the others? Like with I know on DraftKings you're starting three wide receivers and it's full point PPR with bonuses and yes. this, that and the other. So should that be something that I should plan to spend the most of my money on, or is it something that's dependent on the matchups that particular week, who costs more, any injuries that might have happened? I mean, does that change on a week-to-week basis, or is that something of a mantra that you kind of walk into every week saying, all right, well, I'm going to pay up for wide receiver, I'm going to pay up for this position? Does any of that sort of uh, – does that yes. happen for you? Um, it's a little bit of both, and again, I think this is what makes DFS so fun because every single week – is its own puzzle. And, you know, we got to put the pieces together and it, it does matter. Uh, matchups matter. It matters who's on the slate because the main slate, you're not going to have the Thursday night game, the Monday night game. So 
if Todd Gurley is the Thursday night game and Le'Veon Bell is the Monday night game, that changes the landscape of the running back position. Prices matter. Is there a cheap running back that all of a sudden is relevant because of an injury? And so it makes a little bit more sense to maybe not pay up for Le'Veon Bell just because all of a sudden I can get, you know, a Spencer Ware a couple of years ago at $3,500. So I'm going to look at that. All of that matters, you know, and that's what's so fun is, is kind of breaking down each slate. I like to look at each position and kind of determine what I feel about that position. And, you know, if I don't feel there's a sleeper, like we're just talking about, then I'm going to pay up. If I feel like there's some sleepers that allows me to pivot a little bit more, but really that comes down to, you know, kind of somewhat ranking the guys I like and looking at matchups and kind of then getting a feel for it. And ultimately that's kind of where, the podcast comes into play. The articles come into play, whether it's me or everybody else out in this um, industry doing amazing work to kind of show you where the mindset is at. But ultimately, to a certain extent, yes, there is a general thought process that for me, at least, that I want to pay up at running back. Because when you look at what we're dealing with, DFS is a weekly game. And, you know, the players themselves are just do they are so stuck in this volatility on a weekly basis because of the nature of football, Mm -hmm. right? So wide receivers, just because they don't see as many opportunities, and I broke this down in my kind of breakdown of running backs and wide receivers overall, just because they don't see as many opportunities, even the best ones are going to be um, succumb to a little bit more variance on a week-to-week basis. Those stud running backs, though, you know, Gurley, Bell, Zeke, We know for the most part what they're going to give us on a week-to-week basis. And, you know, the name of the game is opportunity because we're picking players to go off for us for literally just one week. And so in order for that to happen, they're going to have to touch the ball. And so my, you know, general theory, and I kind of hate it. I had to adjust last year um, because I love these receivers, especially like you alluded to in full PPR in on DraftKings and you get to play three of them. You can play four if you put one in the flex. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm still looking for those studs, but ultimately the foundation of my roster, I want to be at least one of those stud running backs, if not two or three, if you can fit it just because they're guaranteed to get that work and they pay dividends in both the rushing and passing games. A lot of these guys do. So yes, it's a little bit different in tournaments, because you do have to think outside the box. But even in tournaments, you still have nine spots to get contrarian and make your lineup unique. And, you you know, there still is a lot of ability to overthink it. And so for me, I'm still wanting to lock those guys in at running back on my tournament team so then I can start looking to get a little bit more contrarian at wide receiver and tight end. Because like I alluded to, for the simple fact that they don't see as much volume as other positions, they're going to be more volatile on a week-to-week basis. So you can target a cheap wide receiver who hasn't produced in a couple of weeks that will be low-owned in a good matchup that has a chance to pop off. And if he does that with your stud running backs doing what they're supposed to do, you want. now you're in position. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yes, that is it's a little bit of both, but that's my general theory. And now that you discuss running backs a little, that kind of gets to my theory in Dynasty is why I build around the stud wide receivers. Because if I find myself ready to compete going into the season, then you can go get guys like Marshawn Lynch for cheap, LaShawn McCoy for cheap, and you can recycle the positions every single year um, for those cheap running backs. So whereas in DFS, you're paying up for your girlies and your your Le'Veons, you can also find those uh, workhorse running backs for you know pretty cheap. And, uh, in dynasty formats. And then I just keep running them every year. It seems like every year I identify a few guys that I'm just like, you know, I can target those guys. So I'll usually do a, uh, like a, a one primary workhorse running back approach. And then I'll just fill, you know, the rest of the positions with the LaShawn McCoys and the Marshawn Lynch's. But now we're, we just finished talking about offense. And that's, uh, if we wanted to dumb it down, maybe let's say potential or volume would be 45% of the uh, full piece of the pie. And then we'll say 10% might be just specific players ability, but the other 45% would have to probably be the opposing defense. Is there anything you're looking for in the defenses that uh, you're looking to exploit on a week to week basis in uh, DFS? 
Yeah, matchups absolutely play a huge role because, like, you know, we've already talked about you were picking a guy to go off for one week, which I think, um, you know, plays into what you were already saying. Like, I agree with your dynasty mindset because it's completely different. Like, in DFS, you only need the running back to go off for one week. So we don't care if he gets injured 10 games later, whereas in dynasty, you're paying attention to that. So you kind of want those full PPR because a lot of dynasty leagues are that wide receivers because they in theory are going to have more longevity so totally with you in terms of the matchups though yeah so I'm looking at rush yards allowed per game run DVOA pass yards allowed per game and pass DVOA at the defenses Um, and ultimately I'm always paying attention to that but the biggest thing I'm looking at is the extremes so the best defenses I'm generally trying to avoid unless it's a complete superstar and you know you can get them at a low ownership percentage. That's always intriguing in tournaments. Um, and then the best matchups are usually what you want to exploit. Once you get into the middle, it really doesn't make that much of a difference. And it mer- matters more about opportunity and situation and game flow and all that stuff. But at the high end of the spectrum, you know, the worst pass defenses, the worst defenses against wide receiver ones, and the worst run defenses, that's where you really want to target if you get like a Julio Jones or a David Johnson going against those defenses. And again, this is where you don't want to overthink ownership percentage because there's a pretty solid bet (laughs) that they're going to go off and you still have eight other positions to make your lineup unique, whether you get into stacking or you play that low owned guy elsewhere, especially at the running back position. Uh, You know, LaShawn McCoy comes to mind where, the last couple of years, he's had cake matchups at least once or twice a year. And it's like, just play him. Like, look at the mm-hmm. team. Look at what they're doing. Just play him and then figure it out. Because at the running back position, again, the easiest to predict due to the larger sample size of touches, that is where I would not get cute. Wide receiver, you know, even the studs make sense to play them. But because they don't see as much opportunity, makes a little bit more sense to fade. But ultimately, again, looking at the, the the high and low end of the spectrum in terms of matchups. But overall, that's one of my favorite things to pay attention to in general is just, you know, who are they going against? What's going to be the game flow? Because, again, you're trying to see what they're going to do just for that particular game. And you bringing up Chalk, basically. So Chalk is uh, a player that everybody is going to play had me thinking you don't have to worry about chalk so much in dynasty you just get to play your good place so that's fun and then i reminded me i'm in a duplicate league where the first uh, matchup i have week one we have four of the same players so i will actually have to implement some dfs strategy so that's a little (laughs) interesting oh that is different yeah but now, Ben, so that now that you mentioned that, like, so for particular games, I know that, I mean, regardless of whose podcast that you listen to, whether it be yours, uh, if you listen to, like, Smiz, Levitan, uh, TJ Hernandez, anybody, a lot of them will use the Vegas totals as kind of the barometer for picking out which games they want to start selecting players from. So do you have a particular, I guess, uh, method or methodology, rather, for selecting which games that you want to kind of focus in on because i know a lot of folks will say that well if the game totals over let's say 45 points i want to look at that game so i mean is there do you have a i guess do you have a way of going about taking a stand on some of these vegas totals i do and i actually have really never paid much attention to them i'm looking a little bit more at opportunity at situation um and situation even game flow for me, it's a little bit more of a feel, uh, and we can get a little bit more into that in a minute, But and also matchup. And so those things matter more to me, and then ultimately, again, looking at salary and deciding whether they make sense at their price and things of that nature. I feel like, you know, kind of what I said early on, like I'm paying so much attention to every single detail that I've really kind of just gone off of flow of how I think a game is going to go. And, you know, for for the most part, that's going to correlate to Vegas a little bit because you know, when the lions are playing the Colts, you know, that's probably going to be somewhat of a high scoring game. And so I'm looking at that. Now you will see Vegas totals and applied team totals and all of these things in my articles because they absolutely are another factor. Um, And I do pay attention to them definitely more now that I'm giving more in-depth analysis and articles and things like that. But I think really what it comes down to 
is I have been largely a tournament player throughout my career. And I've changed that thought process now. Uh, and I got a little bit more thoughts coming in an article because it's really not the smart way to do it. But I'm just, I love the tournaments and I let a little early success kind of trick me into thinking I could have more success than ultimately is going to be the long-term success model. But I love tournaments. And so in tournaments, everybody is paying attention to these Vegas totals. And so I think just a way that I've liked to do it is kind of, not pay that much attention to what everybody is saying and kind of just, you know, get in the office and grind and decide what I personally think is going to happen. And being unique, I think, is going to allow me the best possible way to provide unique and, and good analysis because I don't want groupthink to mess me up. And I think that if you start paying attention to Vegas totals too much, that's going to happen. And it's going to cause you to make tournament lineups that are a little bit more like the crowd. And in tournaments, you have to do the complete opposite. You have to think outside the box. You have to put your lineup in a position before the games even start to allow your team to rise to the top if the high range of outcomes hit because your lineup is unique. And so I don't care if the Vegas total is like the seventh highest of the week. If I'm looking at it and saying, I love this game. And, you know, for whatever reason. And so, yes, it is a piece of the puzzle, but it's one that I kind of like to formulate my ideas of players and games first and then look to see if Vegas agrees. And if they don't kind of think, well, why not? And am I going to listen to them and kind of give into groupthink a little bit? Or am I going to ultimately go with what I think? And I generally, just because I'm cocky and I think I'm way too good at this, um, and that's been my downfall for years. So is I'm going to most of the time lean with what I think unless, you know, I, I, I realize, oh, you know, maybe because this guy's hurt or whatever, that's going to change the, the theory. But I do pay attention to it, but ultimately not as much as maybe some others do. So, uh, I mean, essentially, if I'm understanding you correctly, you're saying that, I mean, touches, targets, opportunity, those should be that I wouldn't say ranked above all or above everything else, but it's kind of where you're starting at. And then afterwards, you would then look at Vegas totals to see that, well, if I'm thinking that this player is already going to get good usage, they're going to get, I mean, they're solid in the red zone. The production is there. Well, now on top of all that, they're going to be playing in a game that's projected has, they have an implied team total of, let's say 25 plus points. I mean, yes. that's just an automatic, like, I'm putting them in my lineup. <laughs> yeah, about it. That, that's a really good recipe. And you're absolutely right. Like, I would even say that opportunity is the number one. It does. And that's really, you know, we talked about how things correlate between all aspects of fantasy football. Like, I would say opportunity matters most no matter what format we're talking about, Dynasty included, once we get down to the, on a weekly basis, who is going to see those touches. But, yes, then – once you can marry that with a really good matchup, that's when I start salivating and when I want to put them in my lineup to a certain extent, even if it's a tournament, you know, if I feel really, really good about a play, I want to put them in. But th this is why I've gravitated more towards cash, because you don't have to worry about ownership percentages. And once you hit the, the workload and the matchup and you feel really good about the team that you put together, all you need to do is be in the top 45 percent it to double your money. And if you are able to do that 60, 65% of the time and win some money playing DFS and have your picks, you know, pay dividends, then you're going to feel really good and, and, you know, think this is awesome. So I'm trying to get more towards that because in tournaments, you're just asking yourself to be so perfect every single week. I'm trying to use my cash game winnings to allow myself to kind of play tournaments with house money so I can get as risky as I'm supposed to get. But yes, going off on a tangent here, opportunity number one, matchups mean a ton. And yeah, so in terms of like the feel, uh, if, if Vegas agrees with how I'm thinking about a game, that's awesome. If they don't, then that's kind of making me excited in tournaments because people pay so much attention to those top one, two, three, four games. Um, because it allows me to get a little bit more contrarian because I care about who's at home. I care about home teams a lot in DFS. Um, and I'm generally going to put a little bit more of a emphasis on you if you're at home, you know, for all players, you know, we all know about big Ben splits. It's, it's really the same thing for all players. And then if it's a game where I feel like, 
both offenses are going to succeed, especially passing offenses, because I'm looking for shootouts and I'm mostly looking for shootouts when there's going to be a lot of passing success on most sides of the on both sides of the ball. So if that happens, and then if you know if it's an average, if both teams have average defenses or bad defenses, then we're just really looking because then mm-hmm. you know it should be successful. So that's what I'm looking for. I care about who's at home because I want the home team to kind of be able to drive the game a little bit because I feel like that home field advantage is an edge that maybe not as many people pay attention to and. If you're a dome team and you're in a dome, so we know the weather's not going to be bad. You're a dome team that generally has success. So I like the Colts if they're at home. I like the Lions if they're at home. That matters a lot to me too. And so, again, even if the Vegas total is maybe a little bit lower on Detroit, like I don't care because Golden Tate has a great matchup. He's at home. He's playing in the dome. So Mm -hmm. I'm still locking him in. So those are some under-the-radar factors that I pay attention to. Um, and I know with with stacks and game stacking and all that stuff, we'll get more into that. But yeah, home teams and dome teams, those are under the radar things that not everybody talks about, but I care. Right. Hey guys, got to take a quick break from Ben in order to talk about our sponsor for today's podcast. And of course, you guys know who that is. It's 444. 444 is now sponsoring the DOM pod so we can give back to you guys. Be sure to use our promo code DynastyOM in the promo code in order to get 25% off your subscription. With the most accurate ranking since 2012, you already know what type of content you're getting into when you sign up for 444. They have draft analyzers, league syncing tools, and all things of that nature in order to help you get an edge on your league mates this year. If you're in for podcasts and DFS, TJ Hernandez and Holden Kushner walk you through all of their tips and tactics for the upcoming week on their DFS MVP podcast. So along with their rankings, cheat sheets, and their top 200 list, you should have more than what you need in order to get into draft season. So planning your weekly lineup, whether it is for DFS or redraft, it is well worth the investment and will certainly help you in your run for the championship. Now, back to Ben. So if you're f- able to fade Vegas, you're actually kind of building in a way to fade groupthink, which is actually, uh, you would think that groupthink would be the way to go. You get as many opinions as possible, um, should lead you to the correct lineup. Yes. But with so many people talking, it makes it very hard for you to hear what the answer is. So right. that's a great point. If you're able to actually utilize the Vegas odds, but fade them to essentially fade groupthink, then you've kind of built in your own way of um, uh, of being contrarian. So that's also yeah. a great point. And you ultimately have to decide w- what kind of player you're going to be. Like if you just want to throw 20 bucks on tournaments every week because you're not that invested, that's totally fine. But I'm the, the complete opposite. I'm extremely invested. And so you have to decide what you're playing first. If you're only playing cash games or playing majority cash games, you can look at every single stat. You can, you don't, it doesn't matter. Groupthink does not matter. Because really, ownership percentages really don't matter. Right. Because mm-hmm. all you're trying to do is finish in the top half. But my kind of passionate take here comes from loving tournaments because in tournaments, ownership percentage is everything. Mm-hmm. Because everybody tries to predict what they think is going to happen. And I've learned enough throughout the years that you just cannot do that in football because things change on a weekly basis so much. This game is so deeply... Um, rooted in variance and subject to variance that if you pay too much attention to groupthink, you're really never going to put yourself in position because you're just going to be doing what everybody else does. And that's great if you're trying to finish in the top half cash games, but not if you have to finish in like the top 10 to make even playing in a tournament worthwhile because they've made the rake so high and they've made the top heavy payouts so high. And so again, just another factor to think about getting contrarian so yeah sure i mean just look at some of the lineups that have won the millie maker like over the last couple of years i mean they've hit on some plays that i would have never even have guessed i mean i would never have thought to have played some of the folks that i've seen on some of those millie maker lineups it's just it's just not in me to to play some of those guys right that's exactly right and i yeah, yeah you just have to decide what kind of player you are and if you are playing in tournaments like another rule of thumb like you should kind of hate your lineup when you submit it to a certain extent, at least feel uneasy about it because those are the guys that if they pop at one, two, 3% ownership are those guys that can take you over the top. 
And for your dynasty roster, you can be using those Vegas odds in your favor when you are utilizing, say, your wide receiver four spot, right? Because earlier we talked about having basically players to stream on your roster in those deep, deep dynasty rosters because you're not going to have anyone to stream off of the waiver wire. So that's why it's so important. Like it would be nice to have four very solid wide receivers in a start four league. And that's the goal. But when you hit the season and you don't have that, then you might want to have a Tyrell Williams, a Kenny Stills, and a Cortland Sutton that you can look at the Vegas odds and say, well, these are all wide receiver threes. Kenny Stills, wide receiver one for the Dolphins. Just want to plug that. These <laughs> right, are, right. These there are all no wide lies rec- there. No lies. These, these are all wide receiver threes or whatever the case may be. But this implied team total is massive for the Dolphins this week. So then you might be able to get that edge on uh, playing Kenny Stills over the other two because the team is just going to score a lot of points. So the residual effect of that is wide receiver catches the ball, has a chance to score. And then another point I wanted to make in in terms of Dynasty is uh, you also might want to fade groupthink just a little in Dynasty. And the really smart guys are really good about telling us that they have one or two people that they want to listen to on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And uh, when they have those lineup questions, there's only one or two people that they're going to to ask. And it doesn't have to be the smartest person you know. It, it might be someone that thinks completely opposite of you uh, or someone that just thinks the same as you because you want reassurance. But if you go to five or six different sites for a start-sit question, do I start Cortland Sutton or Tyrell Williams this week? You might get four or five different answers for right, all totally exactly. different reasons. Mm-hmm. So it, just like it, just like in DFS where they talked about this one, DFS MVP 4 for 4 with uh, TJ Hernandez, is there's only two people that they're listening to, and that's after they do all their homework. So same thing in Dynasty. Yes. Do all your homework. Get your starting lineup in. This is my lock seven, and I need to start nine. So I've got two spots that I need to figure out. That's when you reach out to your buddy that you really trust and say, I've got this four-player pool, and I need to start to who are you thinking here and why. And that's way better than uh, than reaching out to maybe five sites and trying to get your answer there. Absolutely love that. And ultimately, that's kind of why I was saying I like to just have tunnel vision because, I mean, I, I'm, I'm prideful and I want to be right. But ultimately, I want to go down with my own ship regardless. And I think that is a good principle that we can talk about that correlates no matter what. Because – I mean, again, decide what kind of player you are, but I'm so passionate about this that I don't want to ask who do you think because ultimately nobody really knows. I mean, let's be honest. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at all the factors and I'm going to decide who I think has the best chance to be more successful. And if it doesn't happen, I can feel better going down with my own ship than listening to somebody else and going down on their ship when I ultimately would have been correct, which is why that's kind of my tournament strategy is – I want to think what I think, and hopefully a couple weeks out of the year, my thoughts are different than most others, And but I hit, and I'm correct, and those few opportunities to take down a tournament, I don't want to ruin by not being confident in myself and thinking, well, what, what are these five other podcasts saying, and then biting myself and kicking myself because that's the worst feeling when you're like, Oh my gosh, I had it and I didn't trust myself. So ultimately, that's why I'm trusting myself and I would implore everybody else to do the same thing. Unless, of course, you have a, you know a ton going on and you actually have lives, unlike me, then just go ahead and ask me and I'll do what I can because I don't have one. So, <laughs> so Ben, we're going to get into a new topic here and this is going to be a huge one because you can build your dynasty rosters around this as well. Can you just start by telling us exactly what a stack is? Yeah. So it's in the general sense, a stack is basically just any two or more combination of players that have somewhat of a correlation. And, you know, there's a number of different correlations that can exist. The most obvious being a quarterback throwing to a pass catcher, generally his best wide receiver, but it can be anybody. It can be the wide receiver two, the wide receiver three, their tight end. Uh, a pass-catching running back, a workhorse running back. So that is the most general one. But then you can look at, you know, because basically you're just trying to decide 
how you think the game is going to go. I go back to game flow and how you think that's going to correlate between two plays in the same game. So obviously, if you think that Aaron Rodgers is going to go off, it's a pretty good assumption. You might want to play Devontae Adams with him. You might want to play Jimmy Graham, Randall Cobb with him if he doesn't get traded. I hope he doesn't get traded. (laughs) Um, But if you think that – and this is why – this helps me love every single type of game. I don't just love the shootouts. I also love the defensive games as well. Because if I can kind of predict that and think what's going to happen, well, if I feel the Rams, now that they have all of these studs on defense, are going to, and they're at home and they're playing the Bills, okay, or somebody like that, right? And we don't think that the Bills are going to score very many points. We think the Rams' defense is going to play really well. Well, I might play Todd Gurley with them because, in theory, if the Rams D plays really well and the Rams have you know are winning most of the game and they have a chance to win, well, game flow for a guy like Todd Gurley is going to project him to get more carries in the second half. Now, for your superstar running backs, that doesn't necessarily matter because Todd Gurley is also involved in the passing game. So if the Rams get behind, he's still not out of it. But for game flow dependent players, Chris Thompson, a pass catching guy, you want to play him when you feel like the Redskins are going to be losing. Alex mm-hmm. Collins, who you know could give up pass catching work to Buck Allen, Kenneth Dixon a little bit, you want to play him. That's probably a better example. If you think the Ravens are going to have a really good game, play really good defense, then maybe you play Alex Collins in the Ravens defense. So that's another correlation. This one hardly ever hits. But if you think that, you know, Tyler Lockett's going to take a punt or a kick return back for a touchdown, you can correlate him with the defense because uh, the double dip. That's right. The double dip. Yep. Yeah. The double dip. Shout out to Deion Lewis in the uh, playoffs a couple of years ago. Yes, sir. Um, so there's just, there's all types of different ones. And, you know, there are ways to get extremely contrarian and we can dive into that. But generally, you are just looking at some form of correlation. And to your point, like you said, that absolutely can be a thing in Dynasty as well because you can target that to a certain extent, whether it's a startup or whether it's, oh, I have Andrew Luck and he looks healthy this year, so let me go out and try to acquire T.Y. Hilton and trade. Sure, and one stack that I wanted to mention in, in these exotic stacks as well that could get us out of a jam later on is the QB and, say, wide receiver three stack. doesn't necessarily have to be the wide receiver three, but a wide receiver that is not the primary target typically because – in DFS, you get in a money jam, but in Dynasty, you get in a, a waiver wire jam. And as you mentioned earlier, a lot of these leagues are a little too deep for you to even have right. waiver wires. So maybe you want to uh, stash these guys ahead of time, but you might get in a jam and find yourself in a situation where you have Aaron Rodgers and you know he's going to go off that week, but you don't really have a wide receiver four, wide receiver five to start. In that case, you might just want to look at Geronimo Allison or somebody like that who you're never going to feel good about playing, but you do know for sure that the Packers are going to put up a ton of points. So he's somebody that you might consider streaming because of that stack there. Uh, so those those are great points with the stacks, and you implement those in your dynasty rosters when you set those lineups. Guys, we're going to take a, a break real quick, and usually we'd be doing FF Statistics uh, trivia right now, but we've got a big announcement. This is the second week announcing it. Next week we'll get back to trivia, but um, you've all heard the DLF family of pods. We mentioned this with Ryan McDowell last week. If you haven't seen it, you go to uh, iTunes, you you type in DLF family of pods, and you're going to get all their pods. Well, we're actually doing the same thing with our buddy Addison Hayes over at FF Statistics. So they've got their new podcast. The site is amazing. Everybody loves it. If you haven't checked it out yet, it's ffstatistics.com. But Dynasty Owners Manual is actually joining the um, FF Statistics family of pods. So we're going to get a, a bunch of uh, pods together and have our own family of pods, and it's going to be fantastic so we're really excited to announce that and and that's about the only announcement that could take place of of trivia because we love that but uh getting back to the show ben so we talked a little bit about this but do you try whether in startups or trading in the off season to add stacks to your dynasty roster you know kind of just in case yeah i really haven't that much um and i will say i'm only in four dynasty leagues so not in a crazy amount Uh, And I think because at least in season and when we get closer to season, I am shifting my focus. I'm not trading as much as some. Um, That's something I can probably improve upon. So 
I think it's definitely a strategy I would not tell people to shy away from. And I, I love stacking, especially in tournaments, especially in DFS. And I think it can work in other aspects, you know, when you are looking for that high range of outcomes. Mm-hmm. And like you said, if you feel like an offense, a quarterback is going to have a ton of success, then every pass catcher on that team, even if it is a Geronimo Allison, now has an elevated chance of having success. And so it makes sense whether you target a guy for cheap like that or you make a big trade to get a T.Y. Hilton because you're just really feeling Andrew Luck coming back and being great. That's probably not the best example because of his health. But if you're really feeling a year between two guys, that is something you can go out and target because in the playoffs, when you know you really have to have your high-end weeks to win the championship, that is where stacking makes a little bit more sense because again if you feel like that offense is going to play well then there's a good chance that both the quarterback and the best wide receiver are going to play really well and if they both do hit if they throw a touchdown to each other now you're looking good in your playoff matchup so it's something that I like to pay attention to in redraft which correlates really well to dynasty in terms of you know what are the playoff schedules this year oh the saints have two dome games at home against the Bucks. All right. Well, I want to do what I can to, you know, I'm going to push Drew Brees up the rankings a little bit. And if I have Michael Thomas, I'm going to, you know, pay attention to Drew Brees. If I take Drew Brees, I'm going to pay attention to a Cam Meredith as a sleeper. And so really it's most important to me in formats such as Dynasty and Redraft when you're looking and granted, you know, projecting that far in advance could completely be wrong, but it's still another piece to the puzzle and one that, especially in Dynasty, because there's so many trades that happen, once you get closer to the playoffs, you can start to target those guys that are out of the playoffs and kind of over it this year and looking to acquire future picks and then get a guy that you know is going to be in a situation like I talked about with the Saints, maybe having a really good playoff schedule to up your playoff chances in your playoff lineups to try to win the championship. So that is something you can do and something I probably should do a better job of if I had more time to do it. So, <laughs> And one thing I wish I was more vocal about this offseason, I definitely I, I've reflected and I regret not pounding this home a little bit more, but um, is that those last 10 picks or so, if you've got a 30-pick draft, are where you're going to win your league because – the first picks, you don't want to say they're easy. You can mess them up, but the last picks are where you can find those wide receiver threes that you're going to be able to stack with your QB down the road or or grab those running backs that are behind players that you want to maybe identify as injury-prone. So on a, on a season scale, those last 10 rounds where everybody else has stopped paying attention or they start getting auto-picked or skipped and they don't care anymore are definitely where you can find those um, diamonds in the rough to – that match your team specifically. Maybe they weren't the best picks on the board, but you picked Geronimo Allison because you had um, Aaron Rodgers. Now we wish we all could start up when everybody else is kind of over it. If you have Rodgers, put Geronimo Allison a little bit higher in your rankings, just because of this theory. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Sure. And then, we wish everyone played IDP, but honestly, we'd all have to quit our jobs. So <laughs> no, it's just too much. <laughs> I haven't, uh, I've not brought my, I don't think I can ever. It's, it's too much already. So I'm in t- two of my 16 or 17 or IDP and that, that's wow. too much for me, but wow. But, um, respect so, on 17 leagues. That's yeah. I, I'm trying to keep it around 10. So, so we've, we've got. DSTs, of course, we touched on it a little bit earlier, and that's something you will have on your waiver wire. Usually not every DST is owned. So just to hammer home a few examples, so we've got Devonta Freeman, for example, and we've got a positive game script for him where the Falcons should be up the majority of the game. So he's going to get a lot of run, a lot of attempts, running out, chewing the clock. Does that mean that you're going to pick up Atlanta defense off of the waiver wire? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it makes sense because I've been known to stream multiple positions and, and DF, uh, and defense basically being the most streamable in my eyes because it all comes down to matchup. And I have that, that DFS experience kind of paying attention to that. And so able to correlate that. Yeah. If you're dynasty league, um, I kind of like the dynasty leagues where they lock waivers to be honest, because I don't have enough yep. time to pay attention to them. But if your <laughs> dynasty league and I am in some, allows you to 
do waivers like you said. And, and if your dynasty league has defenses, then yes, there are always going to be at least a couple available to the point where you can stream a little bit. And absolutely that makes sense again. And it goes back to projections. It goes back to game flow. If you see, yeah, the Falcons aren't, they're, they're probably not a very good example because they're a pretty darn good defense, but uh, you know, the Jets, the Jets are, you know, they're not the best defense. They're a struggling team, but they're at home this week. I'm just going to keep picking on the Bills. They're home this week <laughs> against the Bills and they're on the waiver wire. And the Vikings are one of the best defenses in the league, but they're playing Aaron Rodgers. Maybe I'll look to switch that up. Now, of course, you'd have to drop somebody else because I wouldn't drop the Vikings defense, but it's absolutely a possibility. And you, one that, yeah, I mean, streaming makes sense if it's available to you at defense at tight end, at quarterback, at kicker. That absolutely makes sense. And so now when it comes to actually filling out your starting roster, whether it be for Dynasty or DFS, let's say you're having to set both of them. It's Thursday before all the games start, or let's say it's Sunday before all the games start. And let's say for some of like the boomer bust players that are kind of one of the, the players in redraft leagues that you want to pull your hair out owning – like I would, yeah. I love having Deshaun Jackson, but it's like uh-huh. trying to figure out which week you you have to start him. It's like right. I, I don't know. Same right. thing for players like Tyrell Williams and, and you know players right. of that ilk. Well, let's say that you have them on your dynasty roster, but it just kind of works out that you have other studs with better matchups in front of them, so you have to leave him on your bench. Do you hedge your bets by then starting him in DFS if you might have a positive matchup, just to kind of say, well, I, I think my process is telling me that he should produce this week, and based off his price point this week, I could be able to fit him into my lineup. So you try and, so based off of what you might have on your dynasty rosters, does does some of that try and influence what you might do in DFS, or, or vice versa? Uh, I, I think I wish that it did a little bit more. I love this question, uh, because it just comes back to the point that I'm pretty much just a cocky a-hole, and <laughs> I, I trust my process for the most part, and I mean, it depends on league to league and roster to roster. And it helps a little bit because I have those few dynasty teams to where I may have Tyrell Williams and it makes sense to play him. I love the dynasty leagues where you get to start a ton of players because it makes guys like that fun to play. Um, But I'm kind of just looking at every single team and deciding who I think is the best to play. And it's kind of the opposite. Like if I love John Ross this week, um, Hasn't done much to date, but he's a starter now and he has a great matchup. I may pick him up in redraft and start him as my flex or wide receiver three, similar to the Geronimo Allison example, and play him over a guy that's a little bit more consistent. But because I love um, looking at the matchups and I think matchups matter a ton, that's what I may do because I'm also playing him in DFS. So I kind of correlate a little bit more what I'm doing in redraft and dynasty to what I feel in DFS. But the flip side a little bit is that's what makes tournaments so fun because I'm obviously going to play the consistent guys in dynasty and redraft because it is a little bit more of a season long week to week deal combination. Whereas in DFS, it is specifically just that week. So me and I really feel John Ross this week, but it would be kind of stupid to play him over a Cam Meredith just because he's had, let's say it's week six and John Ross has been very hit or miss and Cam Meredith taking over that slot role has averaged four catches a game, but I just feel like John Ross is going to blow up. Well, little silly to do that because of the volatility. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm probably still going to play Cam Meredith in redraft and dynasty if I have him, but that's why I love to play all formats because now I want exposure to John Ross. So I'm just going to go ahead and get it in tournaments and hope this is the week where my team blows up and John Ross wins me a ton of money because now I don't care if I go two and nine in my 11 leagues because John Ross was on all my benches because the process tells me that he's not somebody that I can rely on week to week. So, and I'm damn sure not going to care if I go two and nine in my leagues, if John Ross wins me $10,000. So that's kind of how I choose to hedge my bets. Absolutely. And so I know we got to get you out of here tonight, but I wanted to at least uh, talk about a couple of players since we've hit on a couple of them so far. I mean, can you give us uh, who are some players that you think you may or may not be targeting, whether it be for in your starting DFS rosters or your starting dynasty rosters? We already mentioned Taewon Taylor. 
Everybody's on Taewon Taylor yep. right now. Yep. I, mean, I have anybody won. else that you got. About that. Uh, so are we talking about early in the season or kind of just in general guys? In general. Yeah, in Dynasty general. teams. Uh, so I have been uh, kind of the leader. I want to say kind of the leader of Team Trey Burton. Uh, always love this guy. So he's a guy that uh, even on last offseason, I was on a Dynasty podcast saying this is a guy that needs to be owned in all leagues because if Zach Ertz gets hurt, he you know has top five tight end upside that week. He kind of showed that. So I had him on some of my rosters because of that, and then I could not have dreamed of what happened. So looking to play a lot of Trey Burton. Hopefully Jarek McKinnon comes back healthy because I did a similar thing with McKinnon. Looking to play a lot of him. Chris Hogan, Will Fuller. Please don't trade Randall Cobb, Packers, Randall Cobb, Emmanuel Sanders. (laughs) On the high end of the spectrum, you know, in full PPR, that's where I'm uh, targeting the Keenan Allens, the Doug Baldwins, Mm. guys like that. So I have those guys. I'm hoping they blow up for me. Rex Burkhead acquired him for cheap and and hoping he can continue what he showed us a little bit last year. So those are the funnest guys, I think, are the Burtons, McKinnons, the Burkheads that you look at and say, I value him a little bit more than the field right now. So let me get him on my team. And then, oh my gosh, look at what his situation is now. So I'm hoping some of those guys can carry me to some dynasty championships this year. Those all sound like some of the targets that I've had for, for my best ball leagues. I think you've hit all the targets for oh, the all right, that all I right. have some of the, right. the highest exposure to. So I'm doing good because you know your stuff, my man. I'm, I'm praying that all of those hit because if they do, whoo, yeah, that's going to be great. Let's count this monies together. Exactly. 100%. So before we get you out of here, Adam, real quick, uh, do we have any other announcements for the folks this evening? Uh, you know, just follow us on Dynasty Manual, Twitter at Dynasty Manual. Um, I'm at DHH underscore Adam. We're at Dynasty Pregame on YouTube. Uh, t-shirts coming soon. Dez still has not signed. So, uh, we'll get that, that retweeted for you guys to, uh, have the chance to win a free t-shirt. The t-shirts are awesome. Pictures in the post. Um, and, uh, once again, we appreciate you listening. If you could hit up iTunes and, uh, give us that, those likes, those rates and reviews, we would really appreciate it. Absolutely, yeah. And Ben, thanks again for coming on this evening. And if folks wanted to find you, where would they be able to find you at? On Twitter or where else? Yeah, um, at Ben Cummins FF, no G in the last name on Twitter. And uh, the pinned tweet right now is my referral link. If you want to get an ultimate draft kit for your draft coming up with um, the fantasy footballers, that's an option. And obviously the ultimate DFS pass. You can get a combo right now if you want both or if you just want the weekly DFS articles I'm putting out, signing up through that link helps me out. So check that out. Got cash game, GPP, injury impacts, all that good stuff. Stacks like we talked about. So um, you can check me out there and find my work on that ultimate DFS pass this year. So had a blast, guys. Thanks for having me on and always love talking to knowledgeable people. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, so we thank you again for coming on. And uh, again, I'm your host, Chris Allen. You can find me on Twitter at ChrisAllenFFWX. And we thank you guys for joining and we'll catch you guys next week. 101 pick when it hits you feel no pain praying for the fantasy championship hit the books kid read this pamphlet called the dynasty owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic owner's manual it's automatic dynasty it's automatic